It's been a great decade of baseball. As we look forward to 2020, we also take a moment to look back at the last 10 years, including our favorite moments, stories, and players. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manerfeld. Boy, do we have a cool episode for you today. 2020 is just a day away as you're listening to this. Hopefully, you're listening to this on New Year's Eve. If you're not, 2020 is already here. And we wanted to take a moment to look back at our favorite baseball moments in the last 10 years. It could be games, it could be players, whatever. Uh, that's what we're talking about in today's episode, and we are excited to go over it. But let me introduce t- you to the panel first, starting with my man Nick Budig. Nick, what's up? Not a whole lot. Um, back in my parents' house for the for this holiday season, so a little bit ironic. We're going over some nostalgic baseball stuff. Get some nostalgic little Nick stuff over here. Nice. Do you have like a old like? pin-up poster in your room or something like that yeah yeah i have an old pin-up poster that's in there for like five years yep sweet good stuff and robert sangler's here robert any plans for the new year's no i gotta work oh man fortunate yeah christmas so i worked christmas i had to work i have to work uh new year's eve and new year's day man that's tough yep do you usually get uh do you get drunk people to come into the gas station while you're working well, we'll find out. That'd be funny. They probably shouldn't <laughs> be driving. Are you even allowed no, to let them drive? They probably shouldn't be. You're right. Interesting. And then we've rounding things off uh, here with Noah Manderfeld. Noah, what about you? Any plans for the New Year's Eve celebrations? Uh, just hanging out with some people. Um, funny thing, I'm just going to go back to what Nick said. We're talking about nostalgic baseball. I'm surrounded by 2012 baseball cards. Some good prospect <laughs> cards. So. Uh, I feel some nostalgic, uh, some nostalgia, and uh, ready to celebrate the new year and the new decade. Noah, I, I know which uh, baseball card you don't have prospect of. Nah. Xander Bogarts. <laughs> Xander Bogarts. <laughs> yes. I do have a Mookie Betts, though. I got a Mookie Betts. That's pretty cool. For people, that's that that's a, we shouldn't be doing inside jokes on a podcast. But when we were in high school, <laughs> we used to collect baseball cards, and Robert and I got like a Chrome Xander Bogarts Bowman card. Yeah, and we Noah did. never got one, and he was always like... And I tried to trade t- with yeah. you, and then Robert convinced you otherwise. <laughs> no, you don't remember Xander Bogart's like top five prospect in baseball. So it's and look at him now. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's funny. he's pretty good. All right, guys. You guys get excited to go over this as much as I am? I think we're going to have some cool baseball moments to relive here. Oh, I, I think the chills already. We're all in agreement that going through the last decade of baseball was like... Uh, a great experience, but it makes me want baseball to come back so much more. I need mm-hmm. baseball back in my life. I'm not gonna lie, guys. So I was this weekend. I was kind of chilling. You know, my fiance, she's in vet school, so she was really busy. So I was just kind of by myself watching some college football. I'm not a big bowl game guy. I think they're all really pointless, except for like obviously the college football playoff. I think they're all pretty stupid. But so I, so I was watching. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to watch this. I got the urge to actually check out the Twins-Yankees game. Game three of the ALDS, the game that Robert Noah and I went to. So uh-huh. I actually watched like a few innings of that. 
watch Eddie Rosario's homer and stuff, and I was like, God, we need baseball back. Yeah, it was a double because wow. I don't think I wrote. No, he had a home run in the eighth, dude. Oh, yeah, that's right, he did. No, yeah, but yeah, when I said it was barely over. I called yeah. it. Wall, I said Wall my Scraper, pick yeah. to click was the boy Eddie Rosario. That's right. Yeah. So that gave me something to the nostalgia, and I was like, "Hey, there's my baseball fix." But now I need more. I need live baseball. <laughs> it was a quick All right, guys, do the name you. game. Let's go to the name game. Then we're going to talk about our favorite baseball memory in the last ten years. Trip down memory lane. All right, the name game this week is Robert. You might enjoy this one. Phoenix Sanders. Phoenix Sanders. Relief pitcher for the Rays. Phoenix Sanders. Robert, since you're a big fan of Arizona and all things Phoenix. Mm, I get it now. I think you deserve to start with this one. Of course. Yeah, he's trying to do some trickery here. I'm going to go no. All right. Nicholas? Wow. This is like probably the most normal name I've heard on this for a while. No, Uh, I've had better ones. Oh. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, this guy's real. Or she, I don't know, 20, 2019. Okay. Almost 2020. <laughs> I think you'd hear about it if there was a female baseball player. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe and this would be the Noah. first time I heard of it. Um, I'm going to say no. I mean, the fact that you pointed out to Robert right away made me a little suspicious. Well, we all know Robert's a big Phoenix fan. Dude's going to live or there Or he's just like playing with years. us. He's probably playing with our heartstrings again. Yeah. All right. So Phoenix Sanders, <laughs> Nick's the only one that said yes. Robert and Noah said no. At the end of the show, we will reveal if Phoenix Sanders is indeed a real baseball player or not. I uh, forgot to give big ups to our guy, Zach Hiring at State Farm. He is sponsoring all of our off-season podcasts throughout the uh, the next two months until the end of February. So uh, give him some love on Facebook. We'll have an ad for him in the middle of the show. And if you want to hear more of our podcasts, go to our podcast pages on any podcast platform wherever you download your audio you can find us on those platforms apple podcast stitcher google play music uh, you can rate subscribe give us some feedback and share with your friends really appreciate it send your questions to be featured on a future show at the stitches podcast at gmail.com that's the stitches podcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at stitches pod and like us on facebook you can find us just searching the Stitches podcast, and we have a bunch of cool content on there as well. All right, favorite baseball memories in the last 10 years. So I'm going to start off with this one because this is a big moment for me, and I will never forget what I was doing the night when the Cardinals came back in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series to beat the Rangers, force a Game 7, and eventually win the World Series. I was at my dad's apartment. I was, we were in high school at the time. We're all the same age, for those who don't know. So we're all in high school at the time, and I'm watching my dad's apartment alone. I'm texting Robert. Robert and I always text when things like this go down. And so if you don't remember what happened, David Freeze tied up in the ninth inning with the triple to right field, and uh, Nelson Cruz botched the, the play out there. Cardinals <laughs> tied it up, goes to extra innings. Josh Hamilton hit a home run, a solo shot, to take the lead in the 10th inning. It was a two-run shot. Two run shot or two true run shot. Yep, and so they take the lead in the tenth inning. I te- Robert, I think we were on the phone or texting, and you said I it's think over. we're actually on the phone. I, I think, think we're, we're on the phone. And you said it was over. Yep. You said it was over. Josh Hamilton, you're like, oh, there's no way. Yeah. Cardinals come back again in the bottom <laughs> of the tenth. Lance Berkman with a single. They had a couple singles actually, but Berkman was the one that 
drove home the tying run. Then it goes to 11th. Rangers don't score. Bomb of the 11th. David Freeze hits a shot to center field. You get the legendary line from Joe Buck copying his dad, which I thought was actually pretty cool. We will see you <laughs> tomorrow night. Twins fans remember that one very fondly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will never forget the emotions I felt. It was like I started running around the apartment. Like I couldn't scream because I was alone and it was very, it was late at night. But I was like so overjoyed with emotion. I was like speechless. And I think I called you, Robert, and I like couldn't even talk. Like I was just oh. like, what yeah. just happened? This is the best yeah. baseball game I've ever watched in my life. So uh, obviously, Cardinals won, went on to game seven and won that too, and eventually won the World Series. And the yeah. Rangers never really recovered from that. But and, what an uh, amazing game that was. Yeah, Luke, I think you're forgetting too. You were on the phone with me when David Freeze hit the home run. Yeah, I don't even remember who I was said, on the phone with. I got to call Robert. And there was a, there was a <laughs> lot going on that night. There was a night. lot going on. That was such <laughs> a crazy game. A lot of layers there. I don't even know why weren't we all together. That was a dumb decision. We should have all been together. We probably all didn't have all licenses at the time. The Tony so. Feliz was so close to ending it, and he could not finish the game. Yeah. Two strikes mm-hmm. twice. Cardinals were down that to two a, strikes twice. Yeah. The Cardinals season was almost shouldn't have been there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the comeback kids... They came back and won it. That's a season I'll never forget because if you remember earlier in that year, they looked like they were down and out with the wild card. Mm-hmm. So down they seven they games were like no, it was like eleven games at the end of um uh, not um at the end of August. Eight. They were like ten or eleven, maybe it wasn't ten, but they were like eight to ten games back of the Braves mm-hmm. in the wild card, and they had an amazing September to eventually win on the last day to win the wild card and go to the playoffs. And that was before they had the play-in game, so. Um, and then they blazed the playoffs to get to the uh, to the World Series. So I'll never forget 2011, especially Game 6. David Freese will always hold a special place in my heart. And for those of you who know me, I have the David Freese jersey with the 2011 World Series patch just because um, he was World Series MVP and it was a fun – it's a never – I'll never forget that moment. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move things on. Robert, what's your favorite baseball memory in the last 10 years? Well, this is a good one. I'll tell you what. I'm a, I, I'm a, it's going to be pretty difficult to one-up that game six. But, Luke, well, you and I were there. Well, this is different because pers- this is in person. So this, this is, is in person. Different. Correct. Yeah. So this is a regular season game. Not really a big deal. But you and I went to Arizona. It was August 11, 2013. We went to the Diamondbacks against the Mets. And this is this this is a great game because it started off early on. I, I don't know exactly uh, word for word what inning it was. But Marlon Byrd tried to get a cycle. Yes, that is correct. Or uh, inside the park home run. Marlon Byrd tried to get an inside the park home yeah. run. And Adam Eaton on a relay. And this is when Adam Eaton had one of the best arms in the game. Threw a dime piece to Nick Ahmed. And <laughs> Ahmed chucked it home. And Marlon Byrd was just out. I mean, he was pretty close. But he was smack dab out at home plate. And that's how it all started. And that I was tell pretty you what, early in the game. It was. And when I walked into that stadium, what did I tell you? I was like, dude, I'm feeling a little chilly. Like, I feel a weird chill going on in this stadium <laughs> right now. Like, it was something weird going on. So then it came to the eighth inning. I'm looking at Luke, and I'm like, dude, there might be a walk-off tonight. I'm kind of feeling something. You always say that in the eighth inning, too. I know. I know. But, like. He's <laughs> always got that trick knee going on. Yeah. And I know. And it's like, I really want it to happen. But, like, I kid you not, it happened. So we're just, you know, minding our own business. We're talking to the fans, whatever. They weren't really talking to us, but I was kind of talking to them. Yeah, classic you know? Robert. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Goldsmith <laughs> stands up in the bottom of the ninth, and I look over to Luke, and I was like, dude, he's going to hit one right over that where that fry sign is in the center field wall area. He didn't hit in the center field. He didn't hit over that way, but he did hit the classic opposite field shot 
that went and won the game for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, over the and pool. It, exactly. And all the fans were like, I actually wasn't in the pool. It wasn't that one. That was a different one. But, no. so anyways, Goldschmidt hits the home run. The fans stand up like, holy crap, you called it. You remember that? And I was looking at yeah. him like, let's go. And I was all fired up. And it got me reckoning, like, going, like, crazy, right? So then, get this, everybody. We go to the next game the next day, and Adam Eaton walks it off, and it goes into the pool. I mean, how often do you see back-to-back walk-off home runs when you go on a vacation? I I don't know anyone who has said they've been to two back-to-back walk-offs the next like on a vacation. Like that's just I'm guessing incredible. it's been done. It, no, I'm, I, so I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it hasn't been done. I'm just saying, have you? You know, someone pretty that went on vacation. Like, that's crazy. not very common. And okay. Robert, what happened the next day when we got exactly? On the plane? And here's the craziest part ever. Okay, so we get on the plane. <laughs> Luke's phone blows up. He looks at it, and it says, Paul Goldschmidt hits a home run in the ninth to tie it. Okay, no big deal. I think we were still trying to board, whatever. Then his phone blows up again. It says, in the 11th, bottom of the 11th, Paul Goldschmidt hits a walk-off home run to win the game against the, um, I think it was the Orioles. Yeah, I guess the Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles. I look over at Luke, and I was like, did we miss the good game? I thought we went to the good game. And yeah, apparently Goldschmidt apparently ties Goldie it and it. walks it off. It was the craziest <laughs> week I've ever seen in Diamondback history outside of winning a World Series. Obviously, I was seven years old, so I'm not going to remember that too well. But, wow! I mean, that is incredible. I don't know what to think of that. But, I mean, we're going to get into it sooner. But Paul Goldschmidt named one of the best of the decade. This is a prime example of how clutch this guy is, and people don't even realize it. And I just gave you a great example of how crazy this guy is and meant to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nick, yeah. I'll give it to you. Well, no, Robert, I want to go back, because yeah, you get yeah. really into these things when we're I at really baseball do. games. Yeah. So when Goldschmidt <laughs> hit the home run, you kept screaming, what did I say? You never <laughs> yeah, count it dude. out. It's Paul <laughs> Goldschmidt. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, dude, we get it. Yep, yeah. we get it. <laughs> right. Like, right, and then it happened, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, he did it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite bases. And that was the first time I'd ever been to Chase Field. I know. First time and, I'd ever been yeah. to Arizona. Yep. So it was a lot Crazy of fun. That was a good man. week. It really was. Oh, man. All right, Nick, turn it over to you, man. What's your favorite All baseball right. memory in the last 10 years? All right, for me, it, it was – I was trying to think of a, my, one of my favorite ones. And I think for the – I mean, for the Twins, it's been kind of tough, obviously. The first dec- first first couple yeah, years exactly. of this decade was, were obviously pretty, pretty depressing. Uh, but there, there was the highlights of Brian Dozier when he was just tearing it up. And one game in particular was was actually their first winning season since 2010. It was in 2015. It was against it was the final series uh, before the All Star game. Brian Dozier just got mm-hmm. snubbed from getting into the All Star game, and they're against the the Detroit Tigers, who were just who had recently just kind of been on that tear. Um, they're just running supreme over the AL Central, and they're down six to one in the bottom of the ninth. Um, and all of a sudden, the Twins offense just starts lighting it up. The bottom part of the lineup just starts hitting and just starts getting on base. And all of a sudden, Brian Dozier comes up with three guys on, down five to six, and just hits a just absolute bomb. And it just, at the, the crowd just went crazy. Uh, Burt Blylevin, I mean, not Burt, Dick did a great job with uh, talking about how electric target field was. Because in reality, no, no one really cared about the Twins for, for a while after the 2010 season because they had been so bad. And it was just so much fun seeing that. I mean, we hadn't seen that at Target Field. We hadn't seen so many walk-offs, period, at Target Field. And just to see Brian mm-hmm. Dozier, kind of the star of that team, uh, being, the, being really the only all-star worthy candidate on that team. And this was like a little bit before he even went off on his 40 home run season. Um, but I think that was really just a catalyst to, to the next couple seasons as they 
they kind of started winning more games. Obviously, last year they won 100 games, but that was the first season, obviously, since 2010, where they had a winning record and they're and they're starting to try to kind of get their the organization back on track. And just seeing Brian Dozier, this kind of this forgotten shortstop that that started to turn into really the only power, the main power hitting second baseman in baseball, was was just a lot of fun. Uh, just something really fun to look look at for such a such a rough, rough, rough decade of Twins baseball. And I remember I was excited. I was running around my house. Uh, again, I was home alone, and which makes me a little bit more mad to find out uh, where Luke was at for this game. Yeah, and, yeah, Nick, I didn't know if you knew. I was actually at that game. I was uh, I was up in Minneapolis. This is probably the best, it's maybe the second best game I've been to, but uh, probably Diamondbacks is probably one of the best. Um, just <laughs> the two games together. But, right. I mean, if it, we're talking single game, this is probably the best single game I've ever been to. And so I was up to Minneapolis. I was in college at the time, Iowa State University. Worked for a student newspaper, so we were up at a conference up in the University of Minnesota, and we had a free night. So obviously, being the baseball guy, I'm like, let's go to a Twins game. You just hop on the train and just take the Metro over to Target Field. So we went to the game as, you know, Twins Tigers, kind of a, you know, Tigers are probably going to rock the Twins, but at the time Tigers were good. And so um, I was just kind of like going to be a chill night at the ballpark. And so it's the eighth inning. The Twins are down, like you said, they're down by a few runs. Everyone starts leaving the ballpark. Now I have one rule. When you go to a baseball game, I never leave early because you never know what you're going to see. Right. I've only made an exception maybe once or twice, and those are like minor league games. Um, so I didn't leave. I'm like, we're not leaving. Everyone's like, well, we got to go back. What's, you know, what's, you got a yep. big day tomorrow. Yep. I'm like, no, we're not leaving. Cause you never, you know what you're going to see. <laughs> yep. So it gets to the ninth inning, you know, the twins get things rolling. I'm like, this is what I was telling you. Like, you never know what you're going to see. They're going to come back. And even then people are like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, then the twins pull within two runs and then they pull within whatever. I don't even remember how exactly it all unfolded, but when Dozier hit that home run, whatever fans were still there made it feel like it was a full stadium. And I always, I the first thing I thought was sucks to leave that game early because you yeah. probably missed one mm-hmm. of the biggest comebacks oh, yeah. in Twins history for a single game. So that was one of the best games I remember being at, and I was right in center field above the batter's eye, so it was a really cool view up there just watching all the fans. But yeah, people left early, man. That's a that's a lesson. Yeah, Never leave that. a ball game early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke, you're in all these memories, man. Holy crap! I know. Yeah, he is. I got a lot of good ones. <laughs> it must be nice. I just been a lot of baseball, baseball games <laughs> in my life. True. Mm-hmm. True. So I've been to Target Field, I think, at least once every year since it opened. Yeah. I think most of us have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Noah, what's uh, your favorite memory? Well, I want to quick touch on that one because I was sitting on my couch. I had turned off the game, and I got a Ooh. notification on my phone saying that the Twins had the bases loaded. I turned it on, and I think I turned it on. Was it Aaron Hicks? I think he got a two-RBI double. And me being the baseball uh, wannabe baseball broadcaster at the time – I turned on my phone and I started broadcasting the game from my living room. So I don't have the recording to this day. Oh man! But I remember my call. Oh. It was um, improbable, and it was just—I don't know. I, I listened back to it and I was like, "Man, that was just a really surreal moment." Uh, I still watch that clip of Burt Blyvin and Dick Bremer when I want to see a good feel-good mm-hmm. Twins moment because that was a really good moment for me. But no, no, uh, let me jump in here real quick because yeah. I was talking to my coworker today because I was going over this this podcast uh-huh. i was like what do you think the best moment in twins the last decade of the twins history and you know we didn't even bring up this game you know what we did bring up joe mauer right. coming out as catcher for an inning that was oh, a pretty incredible was, moment i think yeah, that I might be the best work, twins moment 
I worked at a radio station, and I had to hold back tears when I got on the radio because Joe Maurer was standing behind home plate with a standing ovation. (laughs) It was was hard. There has been a lot of good stuff for the Twins, but Joe Maurer coming out and his kids running Mm -hmm. out and stuff and the whole – even the White Sox were cheering for him and stuff. So that was a really yeah, cool yeah. moment. All right. Um, there you go, Noah. Yeah. But uh, one quick uh, – the game, uh, the AL wildcard game in 2014, the Royals versus the Athletics. What a wild game that was. And I just remember being in my room, standing there, watching uh, it all unfold, and the Royals pulled off this incredible comeback off of John Lester. Uh, you go to the bottom of the 12th inning, and you got Salvador Perez getting the walk-off hit. I mean, in the Royals – Everyone was pulling for the Royals. I mean, you love the athletics, but the Royals hadn't been to the postseason in 29 years. That was such a great game, and it was capped off by a terrific World Series and a, an amazing performance by Bumgarner in uh, Game 7. Was that was that Lester versus Shields? Yes. And Lester and Shields yeah. both kind of blew it. Big game they games both, well, never really well, had big games. Shields started off terribly. Yeah. Um, and then Lester, he was good up until like the seventh inning, and then he fell apart, and that's when the magic really happened. Yeah. The Royals came back and like how, they went extra innings in how many innings or mm-hmm. how many games was, in that? It was crazy. I can't remember. And they, a lot. they yeah. had, I don't think they lost a game until the World Series, if I'm remember, remembering correctly. I, I don't know if they lost. Maybe you're right, but I know they went to extra yeah. innings a bunch of no, games. No, they, they came back in a bunch of and, games. And just think, I mean, they were one big hit away from not becoming the Royals that they would become the next year when they won the World Series. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why are you talking about the the end of the Mets series or not the Mets yeah. the Giants? Where well, I mean, I mean, just in 2015, are they who they are in 2015 without this incredible World Series run? Yeah, well, remember you know, they, they almost won that World Series. Yeah, they got. I know it was because Alex one Gordon almost hit it inside it the park home run or yeah. something like that. Yeah, Alex Gordon fastballs. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, he hit a triple and then couldn't take up. Yep. So. Yeah. All right, so that's our favorite baseball memories of the last decade. I hope I gave you some nostalgia. It certainly did for us. Um, like I said, baseball needs to come back. We need some more great moments. And uh, I want to go to more baseball games. Okay, so I thought uh, after we uh, throw it to our guy, Zach Hiring here, I thought it would be cool to go over <laughs> our five best position players, five best pitchers of the last decade. We'll try to go over them quickly so we don't make this episode too long. And uh, so we'll do that after um, we throw it to our sponsor. So stick around. Everyone knows you can save money on your auto insurance at State Farm. But do you know they can help build your credit? Give Zach Hiring State Farm in Moorhead, Minnesota, a call to help with all your insurance needs or questions. Zach and his team will ensure you are covered properly and will help you build your assets for a successful future. Zach Hiring State Farm is located just south of I-94 and east of A Street in Moorhead, Minnesota. Give them a call today at 218-236-8000. That's 218-236-8000. All right, we're back, and we are going to go over our five best position players of the last decade. We are doing some uh, retrospective thinking here, going back the last 10 years as 2020 draws nearer. So, guys, let's just go over our names. I'll start, and then we'll just kind of debate from there. Sound good? All right. So, my name's five best position players in the last decade. Mike Trout should be number one on everyone's list. Number two for me is Buster mm-hmm. Posey. Number three is Joey Votto. Number four is Nolan Arenado. Number five is Robert's boy, Paul Goldschmidt. Actually, I think he's my boy now. He's on the Cardinals. So yeah, I, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has the best boy, use of the Diamondbacks. Yeah. And he might have, yeah, he might be downhill from there. But. Well, we'll so, that's see. my five. 
and Nick. I had Mike Trout like uh, like Luke did. Uh, Miguel Cabrera at number two, Joey Votto at three, Adrian Beltre at four, and Andrew McCutcheon at five. Ooh, I like Beltre. Noah. I got Mike Trout number one, Miguel Cabrera number two, Buster Posey three, uh, Joey Votto four, and then Adrian Beltre five. And Robert, man. I got Mike Trout at one, Miguel Cabrera at two, my boy Paul Goldschmidt at three, Adrian Beltre at four, and David Ortiz at five. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, that's card. an outlier. Nick, you, you, have a, you have McCutcheon, too. That's a wild card. And I have Arenado. Yeah. It's um, so let's point out the ones <laughs> that we have common. Mike Trout is number one on all our lists, as he should yep. be. Three of us have Miguel Cabrera. I don't have Miguel Cabrera. And I guess all I right, could explain, explain. Yeah, I will. Please. I'm That's just going risky. over common. Oh, okay, okay. Joey Vado's on three of our lists. Robert, you didn't put him on there. No. Adrian Beltre is on three. I don't have him, apparently. I have <laughs> Nolan Arenado, so I have a third baseman. Nolan Arenado is comparable, right? <laughs> well, we'll debate. Yeah, he's all, yeah. he's all we'll right. Debate. Yeah. We'll debate. We'll he's debate. All right. What do you mean he's all right? He's like top five MVP. <laughs> he's, definitely five not, he's definitely not just all right. <laughs> yeah. And then Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> I think just Robert and I have him. Buster Posey, no one I have. So let me explain my uh, Miguel Cabrera, um, my Miguel Cabrera leaving him off. So I love Miguel Cabrera. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan. But if you look at his last 10 years, it's really kind of been, he was really good early on. And then kind of the the track record started to fall off around 2014, 2015. No, and I think the, no, the, not really. Yeah, look at you look. look <laughs> he, had at, one, he had one injury year in 2015. That's it. 2015, he had the injury. 2016, he went off. 2016, he was fine. Yeah, but it wasn't like. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I still like Joey Votto better. All right. Yeah, I like Joey Votto. I love Joey Votto too. I think yeah, he's like the most so who would you take off my part. list if you wanted to put Miguel Cabrera on there? No one, Arenado. I say no. I disagree. I like Nolan Arenado a lot. But yeah. He also came up in what 2013, 2014. Um, well, let's maybe, look at this. I'm gonna go look up WAR for the last ten years. I know Paul hates oh, WAR, but I'm gonna see oh, if I have some go. stuff. Oh well, yeah, you guys up. are all WAR, so you guys can back it up. You guys Peace not war, baby. Peace not war. So, uh, Robert, you didn't have Buster Posey though. No, no one I had I Buster Posey. No. I think I picked him just because he's more of a the catcher angle, where he was so valuable at that position. He was a great defender. And he was a great offensive player at a really tough position. Mm-hmm. That's why I put him on there. Obviously, he's had a really bad few years here, but the beginning of the decade, he was amazing. I mean, man, mm-hmm. if we were, I didn't know we were going to go into that value. If that would have been the case, I might have put him in there. He might just be a snub. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't well, really for, know where this, cri- me, we going with this criteria. Yeah, see, I just didn't know where we were Well, it's just whatever you want, man. You know? Like, we didn't really have yeah. a criteria. It was just like, I know. Well, what do you That's think? It's always tough. That's always yeah. tough for me. It's all subjective. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like none of us are wrong. It's just no. I mean, well, those are all good players. All right, let's really see. I'm looking. Oh, Votto's actually third on career WAR for the last ten years. Yeah, he's been good. It's mm-hmm. Mike Trout, Posey, then Votto. Look at that. I top three. I didn't even try to do that. Yes, if you like WAR, there you go, Luke. And then, and then Nick, you had Andrew McCutcheon. He's fourth on here. Yeah. Then it goes Robinson Cano. Yep. And yeah. Then Miguel Cabrera, number six. Yeah, Cano was oh, really good, crap. but the PEDs kind of backed me up. Arenado's not even on like the top twenty. No, but he doesn't have enough, enough seasons. Time, he doesn't have yeah, enough. Yeah, probably what kills seasons. it. Yeah. So maybe I would put Cabrera Wait, in over Arenado. I'm on, I'm on Fangraphs, and I got Arenado as twentieth. Are you doing 2010 to 2019? Yep. Hmm. I have Kinsler. Sorry. 
Aren't they different yeah. though? Isn't Baseball Reference more different than? Uh, Are you looking yeah. at? It's all about the yeah, calculation. Like, Are you looking exactly. at Baseball Reference or Fangraphs? He's looking at Fangraphs, fan I think. I'm at Fangraphs. Yeah. Oh. Something's yeah. off. Interesting. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But uh, we got the war at war its here. finest. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Whatever. Um, but regardless, I think Miguel Cabrera's worth more. So maybe that was one snub that I had. Oh, I, I, I yeah. On. I fixed it now. I, I was I was wrong on my end. That's fine. Um. All right, let's see. What other discrepancies? Paul Goldschmidt. Only Robert and I had Paul Goldschmidt. Um, he's 11th on the Fangraphs war. But like I said, this is all subjective. I think none of us are really wrong. We just have no. different values we're looking at. Okay, but why did you put Paul Goldschmidt on there? I'm curious. I think he's been the most one of the more consistent uh, right. bats in baseball. Yeah, for me, it's the clutch factor. I mean, I just mentioned it in my memory. Goldschmidt is just super clutch. I think that's something that people have been slept on. These are all really good players, but if I had to say who's more clutch, I'd either go with Goldschmidt or David Ortiz. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David Ortiz, I, I like that one. I just think the DH thing hurt him so much in terms yeah. of his value. Yeah, and see, again, how much, again how much I didn't know really what play? we were – Again, I didn't know if we were putting defense yeah, I was in the I, I was just kind what? of – yeah. David okay, Ortiz so, is definitely one of the best bats of the decade. But and see that like said, that for yeah. me is why I think he should have got in. I mean, you look at I think it was the 2013 World Series. He put the bat on his shoulders for the Boston Red Sox and carried him through that postseason. Yeah. yeah, that was huge. I mean, you look at how valuable that is. Yeah, his defense. Obviously, he's a DH. He's not going to have good defense there. He's not playing. But his bat literally carried them throughout the promised yeah. land and won him a ring. And I yeah, think that I honestly, speaks a lot of volume for how valuable a player is. Not it's not just one season. You look at how he, you know, blossomed at the end. He finished strong. A lot of people doubted, and he still finished super strong in the last few years of his career. He was still a dynamite force. I think he's one of the best players of the decade. It's hard yeah, to argue. I, I don't hate that hit pick at all. Actually, no. The clutch it. factor there is so big. You and I mean, right? yeah. he hit thirty home runs. You know, five seasons, had 100 RBIs. Like yep. he, he was consistently a force out, in the really lineup. Just kept his OPS him. was consistently amazing. Exactly, mm-hmm. never fell off. No. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our five best pitchers of the decade, instead of position players. Uh, do the same thing. We'll just go over them in order, and we'll debate from there. So for me, Clayton Kershaw is number one. Max Scherzer is number two. Justin Verlander, number three. Zach Greinke, number four, and Chris Sale. Number five, Nick. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is number one. Justin Verlander, number two. Max Scherzer, number three. Cole Hamels, number four. And Chris Sale, number five. Uh, mine was Clayton Kershaw, number one. Justin Verlander, number two. Madison Bumgarner, number three. Max Scherzer, number four. And Chris Sale, number five. All right, so mine is kind of out of order because I didn't know that we were actually going one, two, three, four, five. I like think that. Scherzer's on there. Oh, Max no, Scherzer should it's be not, right. actually. I don't have Clayton Kershaw, number one. My number one has got to be my boy Madison Bumgarner, and I'll get into that. Of course. So Madison Bumgarner yep. is number one. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw is number two, Justin Verlander's three, Max Scherzer at four, and Cole Hamill's at five. That's okay. my order. Not a lot of discrepancy here. We have a lot except for Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have Bumgarner on there. Nick didn't even have Bumgarner yeah. on there. Robert, you had number one. Yes. So I guess just kind of dive into what you love. I know you love Bumgarner. It's your guy. It's so. not just that I love him. It's the postseason. I mean, when you do what he does, it's remarkable. It's, it's something that has to be noted. 
I think, yes, Clayton Kershaw has dominated in the time that Madison Bumgarner has pitched in the regular season. He's been the force. He's been the number one, the Cy Young. But Madison Bumgarner has always been right there with Zach Granke, with Kershaw. He has done it. And then if you look at him in the postseason versus Kershaw's postseason success, he is just one of the best. And it's just hard to argue that he isn't in someone's top five for me. Noah, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, you can't look at the decade and not think about the three World Series of the Giants won. I know Bumgarner is a smaller part of 2010, but, I mean, what he did in the postseason for the Giants, I mean, he he won a World Series on his own in 2014. I mean, I know he had pieces around him, but he basically is the reason why that. they won that World Series. Um, I mean, he, he won three games single-handedly. So I, I think Bumgarner is one of the more iconic pitchers of the decade, and, I mean, he's still a top-20 starter of the decade by his stats, but I think just because of the notability of all the starts – um, I think he has to be in the top five. All right. Do you guys want me to uh, give you Clayton Kershaw's ERAs from 2010? <laughs> yes, Kershaw's not. I mean, we one. all have Kershaw. Kershaw's better than Bumgarner. You want to know what his highest one. ERA was in the last 10 years? What's that? 3.03, and that was last season. Yeah, it's pretty low. It was awful last season. <laughs> it's pretty low. His pretty lowest good. was 1. 7, 1. 1.69 in 2016. Right. And he has averaged He's... like 200, way more than 200 strikeouts, although it's going down in the last few years. Right. All right, let's go to Fangraphs. War here. Clayton Kershaw is yeah. number one in Fangraphs War of the last 10 years. Max Scherzer is okay. number two. Yeah. Justin Verlander is number three. Chris Sale is number four. Zach Granke is number five. I actually had all five of those on mine, just not in the same wow. order. Someone likes Let's war. see where Bumgarner is. He's yeah, 14. He really likes, he really likes the war. Well, yeah, but then I'm, using, I'm not saying compare... war is like the end-all be-all. No, I'm trying I know. to use it but to like, just give some context. The only argument I have for Clayton Kershaw is obviously the argument everyone uses. His postseason success versus how good Bumgarner is in the regular season. I think Bumgarner has the edge. I personally do. Because he was still a top five in the National League. Every time Kershaw and Granke and even Chris Carpenter at the time when he was doing well. Like, I mean, like, those guys were the top-tier pitchers, and Bumgarner was right yeah. behind them. That's I the mean, thing. But no one and could I, touch Kershaw. When it, no, they like, couldn't. His, his high, ERA his was high, stupid. Except in the his, postseason. <laughs> right. His ERA was stupid. And I and that I would take that comparison just like on-base percentage for Joey Votto. They were the elite of the elite. They were always top-tier. But those there's players that were just under those guys that were so close, so consistent right there, that it's hard not to put those guys in the top five because of it. Yeah. I mean, and I want to be clear. I'm not... I don't want to say Robert's crazy, but I don't think Bumgarner is better than Kershaw. I think Kershaw's better than Bumgarner. I just think Bumgarner deserves to be in the top five. I think it just it depends on what you're valuing. You know, like regular mm, season, yeah. how you get there, and then the postseason, how big the animal is. It's it's totally up in the air. I think either one I would love to have as my ace, so period. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bumgarner's not an ace anymore, and maybe Kershaw's not an ace anymore, but in the decade, I'm taking either mm-hmm. one of them. I don't yeah, care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And Verlander was on all of our lists. Verlander, I mean, if it wasn't for Kershaw... He would be probably number one on many he, people's He was lists. the Kershaw before yeah, if Kershaw. It was, if, if it wasn't not for those even, bad, though, that he bad stretch MVP, the Tigers, yeah, he was so much better than Kershaw. Like, he was better than Kershaw. But what I'm saying is he was that guy who was perennial. Like Everyone would say he's the best pitcher, and then he fell off just a little bit, and Kershaw yeah, he came up. And took he fell throw. pretty hard. Yeah, he had some yeah, bad. He, fe- he had some really bad Verlander years. Verlander had one bad year. If you look at Justin Verlander's stats, he had one bad year. Yeah, but he had yeah, but it I mean, was that's, that's, one bad that's year, separate, and it yeah. was it was paired with two mediocre years. Yeah, that's fair. And then and then when he I went, mean mediocre for Verlander, I'm talking about like three point four five, three point three three, point three point three. That's not mediocre, but for it's, Verlander, it's mediocre. For him, it's mediocre, and he didn't have he barely had two hundred strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't even averaging a strikeout an inning at that point. 
And then he had the 4.54 ERA, which was really bad in 2014. Yeah, that was bad. And then and then he has one good year at the Tigers, 3.04 ERA. Then he gets traded to the Astros, and the dude's, like, unreal in 2017. See, that's why I don't think he's better than Kershaw. It's yeah, because of that's the issue. Said, yeah, he yeah, had the yeah, down yeah, years. That, that, yeah. yeah. But he did win an MVP as a pitcher, which is very tough. But it MVP is. subjective as hell. It is. It really is. So, all right. Well, not a lot of discrepancy in the pitcher side of things. There's Zach Ranke's on my list, but no one else's. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I think Zach Ranke's consistent. He was tough. I, I, I strongly considered. I do like Ranke. I strongly considered him. Absolutely. I just talked about how he was right there with Kershaw and Chris Carpenter and Bumgarner. I mean, he was better than Bumgarner in the regular season, even. But I just don't think he's top five of the decade. I can't. And I, the only thing that really knocks him for me is because he doesn't have much postseason experience in that decade. He doesn't have that much chances, and that kind of sucks. But all these other guys we've named, they've had experience in the postseason. They've done it. They've yeah. done other I things, mean, you know, and that's really the only I mean, crutch yeah. for I think, I think it, if you It correlates talk, with the teams he was on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it's tough. I think, it, I think it's tough because, like, I love Zach Greinke, and but I agree exactly with what you're saying. Is that when you're talking about best pitcher, you're thinking of how do they do in the best moments? Right. And Zach Greinke just hasn't had that experience. I mean, the one guy I really wanted to put on this list was Felix Hernandez, because yeah. But I mean, he just yeah. he fell off a little bit late. But it's the same kind of thing where he just doesn't have the big game experience. I think it's just yeah, what we value is a little differently because I uh-huh. think big game experience is obviously Bumgarner's proven that it's it matters, but there are some pitchers where it's pretty random. Yeah. Because you only have mm-hmm. so many opportunities in the postseason. Like, Granke's only had a handful of opportunities in this last yeah. decade to play in the postseason. Yeah. So it's really hard to judge that. But if you look at his regular season body of work, which is a bigger sample size, you know, I'm talking about analytics and numbers, mm-hmm. you can tell that he's been one of the more, probably the most consistent pitcher besides Kershaw, maybe yeah. Scherzer, yeah. in the last decade. And he's still so, going yeah. strong. And he's still that's doing the crazy it. thing. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So that's and he, and he always has it's just what we value. criticism. Okay, so I'm going to go after all of you because you picked Chris Sale. I want to hear your argument on this. I love Chris Sale, but I don't think he's a top five of the decade. I think we've seen some of those dominant seasons in ba- like in pitching yeah. history from mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. so I think it's hard to he's leave He's had him some off. amazing three-year stretches. But is that, is that, I, I is think that he's really the most... just because his K per nine? Is that really what it is? Because like, I could I argue Cole Hamels has more value than Chris Beyond Sale. his K per nine, he's one of the best pitchers I, I in baseball consistently. He had, a, he had a stretch, Robert for like five years where he was averaging like 250 strikeouts. Right. And that's crazy. Don't get me wrong. But Cole Hamels had an incredible, incredible decade in the regular season and the runs with the Phillies in the postseason. Like, I just think he has more value there. Even if Chris Sale wasn't in the postseason, we don't know besides the Red Sox, that little stint that he had. We don't really know the success that Chris Sale could have had if the White Sox were in the postseason. But Cole Hamels, I mean, he did it. He's done it. He's still one of the more thought-out players. I mean, you talked about this year how Cole Hamels should have been a twin. I think Cole Hamels is still one of the best player, or pitchers of the decade. And I just think Chris Sale would be my top ten, but not not top five. There's see, I'm, no just, way. I'm looking at the stats right now, and I just see Chris Sale just had just better seasons. I mean, flat out, like he was just better. Yeah. His highest know. ERA, I mean, he had a couple years of the White Sox were hovered around 4-3. But other than that, he was right around the three marker below it. And then the strikeouts were just unreal. And the they strikeouts were I mean, unreal. I love Chris Sale. I love him. But I just think Cole Hamels has the edge just a little bit when it comes to Chris Sale. Yeah. I think Cole Hamels, he's had a little he was he was getting a little older when the decade came around. So Chris Sale's a little younger. And like if you look at the five years where Sale was the most dominant, I mean those just they completely shatter mm-hmm. Cole Hamels, man. Like they just do. But yeah. you gotta like Cole Hamels has been really consistent, whereas whereas Sale has been 
kind of the the injury the last few years has been the injury and the inconsistency with him has been kind of the story. So you kind of have to wait. Yeah. And you talked about postseason too. Yeah, it's, and so, it's unfortunate. He's only yeah, had that that's, one run. That's with the like Red I said, we were valuing two different things here. Where you're the postseason yeah. guy, and more let's look at the larger sample. How good they've been over the larger sample. So it's just I yeah. think we just value different things on this one. I think also with this we took the route of starting pitching. Let's think of Craig Kimbrell. I mean, yeah, look at Braves with the. Padres and the Reds. I mean, he's been in the biggest moments. I mean, he's one of the most best dominant of all time. Of all time, yeah. I mean, Except I, he screwed I, I it mean, up for the Cubs this year. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think it's, I think it's really tough. I mean, to put him up against starting pitchers who are as dominant as these guys. But I mean, you're thinking relievers. Craig Kimbrell's top of the crop. Yeah, Imperial stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we got to wrap this one up. But what a decade of baseball. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. what a decade of baseball. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see what's in store in the next decade. Maybe we'll see our teams win a World Series. Maybe the Twins will make a World Series. Highly doubt it with the Yankees, but you never know. Anything can Wait, happen. What do you mean, Luke? 2020 is my year. Did I match with the World Series? We talked 2020, about? okay. Yeah. Everything Everything has gone the yeah, way the they Paul got has ever wanted. No, no, no. And Grandel's gone the White Sox. Like, everything has gone my way. So I'm kind of excited about 2020. Whatever. My lucky right. number. I'm pretty, I'm pretty Save excited Save it for our predictions. It. What do you mean? <laughs> Save it for the predictions. All right, All go right. ahead. My bad. <laughs> That's fine, man. This is a fun one. It okay, is. the name game. We'll wrap things up here and then uh, send you off. So the name game I gave you guys was Phoenix Sanders, and Nick Ooh. was the only one that said no or yes, right? I Nick? said yes. Yeah, I said no. All right, so Nick is right. It is an actual player. Oh, Dang it! Yeah, and Robert on. got Phoenix wrong. So oh, of course, let's just hold that. Luke isn't that over boring. My head. Oh yeah. my gosh! Like I said, I'm not that creative. I know, but it's like one of those hidden. Mi- oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, one. I thought Luke it was a mind game. Phoenix, Robert. Really? Yeah, go. No, that's why he kept hinting me. Like, huh? Paul? That's Phoenix? what I do. What? I've learned the tricks. He's, he's just playing with those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we what about hope. about those uh, superstars, though? We're not going to talk about that quick? Uh, no, we don't have time. Okay. All right. You can X that out. Go yeah. Ahead. Maybe we'll uh, do a little quick segment next week. That's fine. We gotta talk about or for our predictions. Sign with the Reds for our predictions in in March or something. So, well, we hope everyone has a great New Year's Eve. Don't party too hard. Stay safe out there, and we will see you in 2020. Next week, we'll have a another podcast for you. Baseball is only, I think, actually, baseball is less than 100 days away. So we are close. So hang in there, folks, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.